0: lesson today in our word that we're going to look at is from the word of god chapter 50 of psalm so chapter 50 of psalms so or actually psalm 50 so let's turn right there to the 50th psalm <laughs> psalm 50 is a psalm goes like this the mighty one the god the lord has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun to its going down. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God will shine forth. Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous all around him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together to me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Let the heavens declare his righteousness for God himself is judge, Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I will not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings which are continually before me. I will not take a bull from your house, nor goats out of your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world is mine and all its fullness. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me." May the Lord bless his word as we have it read into our hearts today and we think about this time. Think about the subject of thanksgiving. There's many scriptures dealing with giving thanks. I've caught myself saying things that are not 100% true quite often. How many of you say things that are not true 100%? Things like, how are you doing? All right. <laughs> That's quite a quiet statement, I'm all right. I got no wrongs, got another wrong with me. I got wrongs every day. I told some of you in Sunday school, my wife bought me brand new glasses Friday. Brand new. I laid them down yesterday morning. My dog found those glasses. My dog's... I knew she had found the glasses because I could hear it cracking, you know. Crack, crunch, crack. Well, I immediately got out of the kitchen, ran ran to the living room. And as I made my turn, I slipped because she had conveniently also uh, used the bathroom on the, on the utility floor. So, bam, I hit the ground. Now I was so mad, it didn't hurt. I was stunned, but I wasn't hurt. And I got up and rescued my glasses to the best I could could do. So I guess I'm all right. <laughs> you know, I guess I'm all right. My glasses are not all right. Not anything, uh, we, when we say things in life, we, we say Pete, to people that we're grateful or thankful. Well, that's a statement, but it literally means you're full of things. Now, are we really full of things? Is that a word that we are honest when we say it? Lord, I'm thankful for. I've said it to the Lord many times. I have to say, Lord, I'm wondering if I am really full of thanks for everything. So I am trying to gauge my language with the Lord and tell him, Lord, please help me to guard my lips so that I would say truth and not exaggerate and be able to be true to you because I do thank you for, and then I list things for which I'm thankful. It's a very powerful thing, thanksgiving. When you give thanks to the Lord, for some reason God likes it. It's a minor thing, you know. For many people, writing a check is, is a sacrifice or, or if you do a kind deed for someone else, obviously that's a good thing. But God really does like it when we say thanks to him. He, uh, In fact, he condemns the unthankful, those that don't thank God, those who are thankless, it's a very bad list to be on, the thankless. Some people say, well, I can't give thanks because my life has been bad. I've had too many tragedies, too many hardships. Well, that's, that's a sad, sad view of the world. But you do have life. And the fact that you can recognize that there are wrongs in the world, even wrongs done to you, tells you that the world's not intended to have those wrongs. Because every wrong that happens to us is, is evidence that something is wrong, but there should be something right. And that's why we need to thank God because God knew there was something wrong with the world. Psalm 50 opened up with a very powerful statement. It says, God, the mighty God, the Lord. Uh, that's literally what the Hebrew says. El Elohim Jehovah Jehovah the Lord. That's what it means. God, the mighty God, the Lord. Just so we would get the picture that it's the Lord talking, it's not the the psalmist here giving his opinion. It's not a professor waxing eloquent over a theory. It's not an interpretation. It is God. And who is speaking? Well, we know who he is. He is the God, the mighty one, the Lord. He's spoken and called the earth. When and how? Well, from the rising of the sun to the go, it's going down. He has a plan. And out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God will shine forth. You see, the message that God has is that God has a plan, a message, and that message has a place where it is being delivered, and it is going to shine forth out of this place called Zion. Zion is the mountain in Jerusalem upon which Jerusalem is basically located. And when we hear the phrase Mount Zion, we know that it has to do with Jerusalem. And so the Lord has given us a place to look. And this place to look is you got to look there because that's where I'm going to shine my message. This is where God says, Eight or 900 years before Jesus came into the world, God is saying, it is out of this place and I am going to shine my message. I'm gonna, it's gonna be a very bright light. It's gonna be amazing. He calls it the perfection of beauty. The perfection of beauty. Now, beautiful things are, by definition, very uh, beautiful. They, they look good. We like them. We recognize them. The difference between beauty and attraction is a chemical one. It's a matter of physics and natural attraction. You can be attracted to a lot of things. You know, flypaper is very sticky, but it ain't beautiful. So attraction can be something that people emphasize, but I try to tell young people all the time, hey, you got too many people trying to be attractive. You need to be beautiful. It's a big difference. And God knows that difference because he not only gave us beauty, but he perfected it. And the perfection of beauty, he says, I'm going to shine forth and I'm going to give it to us, to you. And that was predicted long before Jesus even came to the earth, that perfection of beauty. Absolutely, you look at Jesus, there's no one like him. No one did anything as brave as he did. No one ever created artwork as great as he has done. He literally made all the beautiful things that there are in this world and the hands that have made the beautiful things that are in this world. He is the one who made the beauty of the stars. He is the one who made all the flowers. He is the one who created the beautiful colors That adorns so many living creatures. He is so great that later on, when he talks about having the owning all the birds of the mountains, I mean, have you ever considered just how many different species of these birds exist and how each one has its own uniform and each one is regaled in beauty that, you know, Solomon can't compare to? This is the Lord. And he perfected beauty, and he himself showed up to this world. God intervened, and that's what was uh, predicted here in this verse. God will shine forth. It's not a matter of if, but when, and when this was written, it was in the future. I've got good news for you. It's already happened. God did come forth. He did shine, and he is perfection of beauty. If you look, is there to see. The psalmist predicts in verse three, our God shall come. Well, that's very simple. He doesn't say that he's he's going to just talk, but he's gonna be here. He's gonna come to the earth, and that's what happened. Jesus came to the world. He was born in the house of bread, Bethlehem, the bread of life. But he didn't come to be silent. In fact, he said, and shall not keep silent. Our Lord spoke words uh, that were so great and wise and so needed. Not only did he come, however, and not only did he speak, but it says a fire shall devour before him. You see, you can't be neutral with the Lord. You can't say, well, I can accept some things and not others. No, there's a fire associated with the Lord. You either go with the plan and you're saved or you get burned up, there's no middle road. And it says, it shall devour before him because God won't let you treat him as a common thing. You accept him or you reject him. And it shall be very tempestuous all around him. Jesus was in arguments all the time with the people who hated him. His own people rejected him. He had controversies, he was misunderstood, he had long sleepless, days in which he didn't feel good, in which if he ever had a chance to take a nap, he would take a nap because his schedule was absolutely horrendous. When he was on a boat, it was his one time to rest. He took a nap and then there was a storm, which I believe was sent by the devil. Talk about a storm and tempestuousness. When they woke him up, he was mad and grumpy because they woke him up because he wanted to rest. Oh, you of little faith, he said to them. He rebuked the wind. That's why I don't think it was sent by the Lord. I think it was the devil drumming up that storm. And the seas got calm. You know, Jesus had that kind of power. There was always a storm associated with him. There's no way you can deal with Jesus and get along with the world. The world hates him, and I do mean hate. it says in verse number four he shall call to the heavens from above That's a very strange verse because how can he call to the heavens from above already It's a very strange thing. Well maybe if you'll remember he was on that cross he was raised up above men he called to the heavens he said, my God my God, why have you forsaken me? and to the earth, that he may judge his people. Jesus earned the right to judge his people. He was the one who rightly was the king promised, and he is the king who sits today in heaven. And the Bible here says that the Lord who would arrive and show up in Zion would do these things. He also says in verse five, gather my saints together to me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. I do believe this is a prophecy. I believe that God has started that process of gathering people even now. I think that when the Holy Spirit came to earth and right before then, when the temple veil was torn, that God opened up the door to salvation to everybody. And God is still gathering people and he wants... He told his disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't want them only gathering fish. He wanted them to gather people. So God has commanded that the saints be gathered together for him. And I think even now he's still gathering saints. He's gathering people to him. If you are a believer in Jesus, he's already caught you. Boy, that's the best thing ever happened. If he gets you, because you want to be caught by the Lord. And what is the sacrifice that has been made? Well, I'll tell you, it was his own blood on the cross. That's the sacrifice that was made. That's the sacrifice that matters. Verse six, let the heavens declare his righteousness for God himself, is judge, Selah. So the first part of this Psalm is very prophetic. It predicts the future. At the time, it predicted the future. It now tells a story that we know happened in the past. We also learn that God sets everything up for the gathering together of his people. What a great news. Now he returns back to the Jewish people. He returns back to them, and he had a little bit of a problem with them because they were steeped in their own religion. They, they did have religion. They did make sacrifices. But the Lord felt that they were putting too much hope in these animals not maybe in him. He says here in verse seven, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I will not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which are continually before me. I will not take a bull from your house, nor goats out of your folds, for every beast of the forest is mine. And the cattle on a thousand hills, You know, God says, I'm not going to criticize you for your sacrifices, but he's basically saying, I don't need them. I don't need these animals. I already own them all. I own all of these things. In verse 11, I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine, who owns nature, God. I like that verse 12, (laughs) he tells us a very funny thing. I think he actually has a sense of humor. He says, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. For the world is mine in all its fullness. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? You know, I, 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 I he doesn't want those things. That's not what he wants. But you know what? He does want something. And the very next verse is a verse that I think is very relevant. Offer to God thanksgiving, and pay your vows to the Most High. You know, he wants us to do that. He wants us to go to him and thank him constantly. He pays attention to your giving thanks. He's not going to ignore us. There went my glasses. He's not going to ignore us because when we give thanks to God, He pays attention. There's many times in my life where I'm busy. You ever been busy? Somebody comes to you, tells you something, your mind's on something else, and you nod your head and say yes, and you don't know what they actually said at all. But you say yes, because it goes in the ear, but it doesn't register. It just kind of clings around and then goes out the other side. That's what happens to many people, but not God. When you give thanks to God, he pays attention. And we want that kind of attention because when he starts looking at our lives closely, he sees a lot of things I'm sure that he would rather not see. But boy, if he can see that time when we gave thanks when we didn't feel good or we gave thanks when things weren't going well, when we gave thanks when we had lost our loved ones and when we were in that hospital, or we were at that funeral home and we gave thanks to God, he pays attention to those things. We are ordered to give him to God this offering, an offering of thanksgiving. It's not an option. It's not something that we can say, well, you can or you cannot. No, he wants you to do this. It is an act of a priest. It is an act of worship to the Lord. He follows up giving thanks to paying your vows to the Most High. You know, they had many times in the Bible, people made vows to the Lord. They're very dangerous things making a vow. It's kind of like a promise, a promise to do this, promise to do that. But obviously if you made the promise and you don't keep the promise, you've got a real big problem. So what he wants us to do is that whatever our vows, whatever our promises, whatever our commitments are, we need to do it to the Lord because that's all that's gonna matter. Just like the Bible says in Colossians, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord, not unto men. Every one of you have obligations, do you not? You've got contracts. If you work for somebody, there's a contract or there's an unsigned contract, an agreement you're expected to do certain things. This is your, your, your duty. And yet the Bible says that our duties should be really performed to the Lord and, and we should give to the Lord these things. But not only should you give thanks and not only should you make sure you pay your vows to the Lord, make sure your commitments are dedicated to the Lord and follow through them for him, But he says, call upon me in the day of trouble. Don't hold back when you're in trouble. When you have that day of trouble, and boy, we get plenty of them. I, uh, about a year ago or a year and a half ago, when all the madness was happening and they were burning down our cities, the United States Congress has not once made a commission Studying why our cities were being burned down, but they did make a commission about what happened on January sixth. I guess they have their priorities. But I will say this is that the cities were being burned down by lawless people. I don't care what the politics were. I I've always said that if they're you got bad police, that's a bad thing and needs to do something about it. If we got bad citizens, we got to do something about it. So reasonable people need to do what's right. And we need to support law and order and due process of the law. But it distressed me greatly about a year and a half ago when they were burning down our cities, tearing down the statues that have nothing to do with the price of tea in China. And I will say to you that that was trouble. Now there was a young man, his name is the Rittenhouse boy, He just went up there to try to help out. He was a law and order boy, whatever you think about him. He went up there, and you know the story. He got in trouble because there was a conflict. He shot some guys, and it was portrayed one way in the news. And if you didn't read and you didn't investigate because that information was not made known to the common person and you have to look for it today. In fact, if I get on YouTube right now and try to find the real story about what's happening, I have to go through several layers of statements that say, this could disturb you, this could be a problem. And they don't want you to see the truth. They just want you to hear what they want you to hear. That's the power of the devil, the prince of the power of the air. He's a liar, he doesn't care. Well, needless to say, that boy was in trouble for his life. I told people, we need to pray for that boy. We need to pray for him. Because he had the world against him. And I did thank God on Friday when they found him innocent. I thanked God. You know why? Because that was a real case of a boy's life being in trouble. And when you separated the facts from what the noise was, the facts prevailed. Thank God for that. Thank God. The Bible says that we need to call upon the Lord in the day of trouble, and our whole nation is in trouble today. People excuse lawlessness when it's convenient. I tell you the people who need to be in jails those attorney generals and mayors and law enforcement agents and politicians who looked the other way when they were burning down those cities and some of those cities to this day are all boarded up. That's progress, isn't it? It's trouble, folks. But we need to call upon the Lord because politicians are not solving our problems. They are not. They are are not solving our problems. They are creating problems. And that's a fact. Nobody has the guts to get up there and do what's right. And if you did, you'd be attacked and investigated by people. Who wants to do that? Well, I love what God says here. In the day of trouble, call the government. No, doesn't say that. In the day of trouble, get your politician to help you out. No, no. Give money to the political party of your choice. I wouldn't give a dime to any political party if I'm you, but I'm just saying, that's my personal perspective. They'll take your money, all right. But whether they do what's right with it is a second thing. No, he says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I love that. I love that God sets these people up. He sets people up. In fact, maybe God has orchestrated the entire last couple of years to make it to where everything is against his people. Maybe he is going to try to restrict our freedoms. He is going to allow these people to go so far that it looks like they cannot lose. That's what I call trouble. Oh, well. What does he say? Call upon me in the day of trouble. He didn't stop there. Thank God. He says, I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Now, that's why I glorify God for that answer prayer of that verdict on Friday. That's why I glorify God when things are going bad. And we don't have the power to stop all the money and all the, the media and all the junk that's being going on. I thank God because he told me and he tells you that in the day of trouble, you need to call upon him and I will deliver you and you shall, you shall glorify me. What good news, what good news. Now I'm briefly gonna read the rest of the, of the whole story, because you know what's good news for God's people? It is not good news for those who ignore God. It's pretty self explanatory. But to the wicked, verse 16, God says, What right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth, <coughs> seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind you? Do you think this world? is looking to the Bible definition of men and women. Do you think this world respects what God said about marriage and husbands and wives and mothers and fathers? No. They insult God every single day. They have set aside his statutes. In verse number 18, when you saw a thief, you consented with him. When these looters start taking over our city, they say, well, it's because people of a certain skin color's lives matter so they can destroy whatever they want to destroy. Really? Really? When you saw a thief, you consented with him. And that's what these attorney generals and these wicked politicians have done and have been a partaker with adulterers. Well, our whole nation is sex-crazed, We've got a nation that's dedicated to immorality. And if you stand against the rainbow flag today, God forbid, because you are going to be put under the jail because they hate you. They don't believe God and they don't care one bit about what the Bible says about any of these subjects. You give your mouth to evil. We don't even have to say much more than that. And your tongue frames deceit, news media. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I kept silent. You thought that I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. You see, They thought they can get by with it in Israel's day. And in every day, they think they can get by with it. (laughs) But he says, no, I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you who forget God, lest I tear you in pieces. This is a warning. And there be none to deliver. Whoever offers praise glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. There it is. If people will order their conduct aright and get right with God, even the people doing all this nonsense, hey, God will be merciful. God's great. He loves us. I thank the Lord that he came and died on a cross for us. And I thank God that he has not treated me as my, my sins deserve, I thank God because I know that I have failed in so many ways, but I also thank God that he cares for us and he cares for every part of us. And I thank God he loves us and he does, does look after us and he hasn't left us alone. We are not alone. We have a God who loves us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this psalm, which is such an encouragement. Would you use it as we try to follow your will? In Jesus' name, amen.